Hello, this is Pastor Marty Macedo from Fellow Helpers Ministries, bringing you another podcast from the Pastor Study. I want to begin today by thanking Victory Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida, with Pastor Jesse Latta, and Freedom Baptist Church of Greenville, South Carolina, with Pastor Scott LaRue, for their support and encouragement that helped provide the means for this podcast ministry. I also want to take an opportunity to thank Andrew Paquette, who faithfully helps me with the recording and posting each week. I couldn't do it without you folks. And it's such a joy to be able to do it. With my health issues and not being able to get out as often as I would like to, I'm so grateful to be able to have this podcast and be able to share with you things the Lord has taught me over the years. And we're going to take a look at one of those things today in Joshua chapter 22. Now, Joshua chapter 22 is long. There are 34 verses in it, and we won't be able to go through it in great detail. But I do want to do a survey of it, and then I want to bring out three lessons from it that I think will be helpful to us under this theme. And that theme is learning how to deal with concerns before they become conflicts. Learning how to deal with concerns before they become conflicts. In our passage today, we find the 12 tribes of Israel who fought together to claim the promised land are now ready to fight each other and possibly lose all that they gain. In fact, have you ever had a right intention and given someone the wrong impression and led to a conflict? Well, that's what we're seeing in this chapter, but it was resolved, and we want to see how to resolve those things in our day and age too. So let me begin by reading what I believe are two key verses. It's chapter 22 of Joshua, verse 10, which says, And when they came unto the borders of Jordan that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe Manasseh built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see. And then in verse 12 we read, And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against them. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand what's being taught in this chapter of Scripture and help us to see the example that was set that could help us prevent concerns becoming conflicts. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. If you remember the Bible history of the Old Testament, at the point that we're at now, the people had gone into the Promised Land. And the way they went into the Promised Land was two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan. The men led the spearhead into the Promised Land to divide it in half, and then they conquered the north and conquered the south. So the two and a half tribes and the men of those tribes spearheaded it, and the nine and a half tribes and the men of those tribes joined them, and they were able to settle the promised land. And that's where we find ourselves in Joshua chapter 22. Now, obviously, these two and a half tribes, that is the men of those tribes, have been away from their families, and now they're ready to go back on the east side of the Jordan to settle with them. And Joshua is very pleased with what's taken place. In fact, in verse 1 of Joshua 22, we read this. Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe Manasseh. Those are the two and a half tribes that are on the east side of the Jordan. And he said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I command you. Uh, and again, he goes on to commend them and, and goes and sends them back to the other side of the Jordan. Now, 
with that in mind, let me just give you a, a little review of the events of the chapter. And again, I know many of you are in your car or you're somewhere else and you don't have your Bibles in front of you. You might want to get them out later on and go back through this again. But I'm going to just quickly take you through these verses and then give you three practical things to carry home with you today. The first thing I want to note is this. There is a peaceful departure in chapter 22, verses 1 through 9. We only read the first couple of verses, but as you continue to go down, you'll see Joshua commends them for their faithful service, and then he not only commends them, but he compensates them for their faithful service too. Verses 6 through 9 talk about verse 6, so Joshua blessed them. And if you'll notice in verse 8, it says, Return with much riches unto your tents, and with very much cattle, and silver, and with gold, and with brass, and with iron, and very much raiment. Divide the spoils of your enemies with your brethren. So there's a peaceful departure between the nine and a half tribes on the west side of the Jordan as they send back the two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan. But then there was a painful discovery. And what was that painful discovery? Well, we read it a moment ago in verse 10 and verse 12. And that is, the two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan built an altar, and it was a great altar to see. Did you notice that at the end of verse 10? They built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see. And a rumor went out then that these two and a half tribes had built that altar because they were going to start offering sacrifices and draw attention or separate from Jerusalem where they were supposed to have the altar to be giving the sacrifices. So they were going to show a division is what was thought. The nine and a half tribes said, wait a minute, we're the place where they should be worshiping Jehovah. And now these two and a half tribes have built this great altar. They're going to be doing their own thing over there. And this rumor became so intense that we find the congregation of Israel drawing up to war. In other words, the nine and a half tribes were going to go and basically seek to annihilate the two and a half tribes for what they were doing. You see that at the end of verse 12. The children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against them. And remember, it was done on hearsay. Verse 11 says, And the children of Israel heard say, and the rumor was, Behold, the children of Reuben, children of Gad, half-tribe Manasseh, have built this altar, and, and they're going to be worshiping the Lord. So we see the peaceful departure. These tribes got along beautifully, verses 1 through 9. But now there's a painful discovery as they hear that these two and a half tribes have built another altar. And then there was a pointed accusation. Before they actually went to war, they sent Phineas and ten princes. And the Phineas and the ten princes of the nine tribes go to meet with the two and a half tribes. And they have some very harsh words to share. It was a very hasty trip in verses 13 and 14, but then the harsh words are located in verses 15 through 20, and you'll have to read these later, but let me just highlight some of them. Here's what Phineas accuses the two and a half tribes of. Verse 16, thus saith the whole congregation of the Lord, what trespass is this that you've committed against the Lord of God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord and that ye have builded you an altar that ye might rebel this day against the Lord? That's pretty tough wording, isn't it? And Phineas, representing the nine half tribes, is accusing the two half tribes. You're trespassing, you've turned away, you're building this altar, and you're rebelling against God. 
In verse 17, the word plague is used in the congregation. In verse 18, it says, but that ye must turn away. Verse 18 again says, seeing ye rebel. Uh, verse 19 again says, the Lord's tabernacle dwelleth and taketh possession among us, but rebel not, verse 10, uh, verse 19, excuse me. And then in verse 20, to summarize this section, you'll see this. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit trespass and their cursed thing, and wrath fell on the man, uh, perish not alone in his iniquity? I mean, I went through that quickly, but you can get the gist of it, can't you? They, this is a pointed accusation. They are saying to the two and a half tribes, you've done wrong, and we're going to come and take care of you and even wipe you out. Now, if someone comes to you with accusations like that, what's your response? Well, thankfully, the response that we find here in Joshua chapter 22 is a very positive response from the two and a half tribes. In fact, in my notes, I put it this way. There's the peaceful departure, 1 through 9. There's the painful discovery, verses 10 through 12. There's the pointed accusation, which we've just seen in 13 through 20. And then there's the patient explanation or answer in verses 21 to 29. And that patient explanation starts out in this way. Verse 21, the two and a half tribes now get ready to reply. Then the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half tribe Manasseh answered and said unto the heads of the thousands of Israel, verse 22, the Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knoweth and Israel he shall know if it be in rebellion or if in transgression against the Lord, save us not this day. That is amazing reply. When these people said those mean things that we just reviewed, my reaction would have been to fight back with them and just to accuse them of things or to retaliate to them. But the two and a half tribes were able to avoid conflict. They took the concern of the nine and a half tribes and they avoided conflict, as we'll see in a moment, because a soft answer turneth away wrath. And they said, you know something? The Lord knows what our motivation is. And they begin to explain in verses 23 and following, they explain that this is not an altar to offer sacrifices on. This is simply an altar to remind their children on the east side of the Jordan that they belong to the nine tribes on the west side of the Jordan, that they are one nation together under God. I can summarize that by taking a look, for example, at verse 26 of Joshua 22. Therefore, we said, this is the two and a half tribes explaining what they did. Let us now prepare to build us an altar, not for burnt offering, nor for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us. Again, they reiterate in the end of verse 28, not for burnt offering, not for sacrifice, but it is a witness between us and you. So their patient answer and patient explanation was able to defuse the situation and bring about the fifth point of review, and that is a peaceful resolution or reconciliation. Where do we see the peaceful uh, resolution and reconciliation? In verses 30 and down through verse 34. Uh, thankfully, the nine and a half tribes accepted the explanation from the two and a half tribes, and there was then peace among them.
You can read that, for example, in verse 30. And when Phinehas the priest and the princes of the congregation and heads of the thousands of Israel which were with him heard the words that the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the children of Manasseh spake, it pleased them. The verse 31 in the middle of the verse says, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us because we have not committed this trespass against the Lord. And then in verse 33, And the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God and did not intend to go up against them in battle to destroy the land. So did you catch the drift of the chapter? That's a pretty quick summary of 34 verses, isn't it? A peaceful departure. Joshua sends the two and a half tribes back to the east side. The painful discovery. Wait, there's a great altar to see. They must be wanting to separate from us and worship God their own way. There was a pointless accusation. You've rebelled. You've trespassed. You're doing wrong. You're wicked and wrath is on you. And then there's the patient answer. The Lord knows what we're doing. It is not for us to offer sacrifice. It simply is a witness to show that we two and a half tribes belong to nine and a half tribes and together we are one under God. And this great conflict was avoided. Remember the conflict that said in verse 12, it said, we go up to war against them. And that could have been a disastrous situation because yes, there were more men in the nine and a half tribes, that's for sure. But there were, I believe, more skilled men in the two and a half tribes. The two and a half tribes were the men that led in the battles. They had the most experience and the most experience with warfare and the strength and the weapons to do so. And if there would have been a battle between the nine and a half and two and a half, I'm not sure how Israel would have survived. But thankfully, they were able to dispel the conflict and they were able to answer their concern. And there's a way that they did that. Now, let me stop here for a moment and say this. Do you realize, I know you do, that in our families, we can have concerns that can easily turn to conflicts? In our friends, we can easily have concerns that can turn into conflicts. In our country, we can easily have concerns, concerns that can turn to conflicts. Most importantly, in our churches, we can have concerns that easily can end up in conflicts. In other words, people who have worked together and fought together might end up working against each other and fighting each other unless they follow these three principles that we want to carry away from this chapter. How can we deal with concerns before they become conflicts? Well, let's take a look. Here's the first principle I'd like to point out to you. Try not to say or do anything that might give a wrong impression without an explanation. Try not to say or do anything that would give a wrong impression without an explanation. Let's go back to chapter 22, verse 10 again, and notice that the two and a half tribes beside the Jordan build an altar, a great altar to see, with no explanation. It would have been so much easier if they would have communicated with the nine and a half tribes and said, you know what, we're going to build an altar, but it's only going to be a witness. We're not going to sacrifice on it. The nine of tribes would have said, oh, that's a great idea. Uh, it would have been so much easier if the nine and a half tribes would have expressed their concern about what they saw before they attacked these people for what they were doing. It, it is so important for us to, to make sure 
that we seek to communicate properly and to avoid giving a wrong impression without an explanation. One of the very first men that I met was named Russ when we were first saved in the early 70s. And he owned an auto parts store. And I, of course, loved racing cars before I was saved. And we kind of struck a friendship up together. And all of a sudden, Russ disappeared from the church one day. And I couldn't understand why. And I asked the pastor if he was ill or something else was wrong. And he said, no. He said, sadly, he said, before Russ was saved, he was an alcoholic and he would go to a certain bar in this town. And he said, uh, now that he's a Christian and now that he's living for the Lord, somebody saw him go into that bar and made an accusation and it hurt him so badly that he was not able to recover from it. And the truth of the matter was this. There was one door that entered this building. When you entered that door, if you went to the left, there was a bar down the hallway, but at the right was a barber shop. And Russ went in there to get his hair cut like he had done for so many years. He had nothing to do with the bar on the other side. But when someone saw him go in that door, they got the impression that Russ had gone back to his old ways. And that concern became a conflict and cost that family in the church. I never did find out what happened to that family down the road. But I thought, that is so foolish. Why didn't somebody just ask him what he was doing? Why did he not have the opportunity to give an answer to that? And then the concern would have been dispelled rather than becoming such an ugly conflict. So try not to say or do things that might give a wrong impression without an explanation. Notice this, number two, second principle we can carry home today. Try not to go to war with a brother before you have words with that brother. Try not to go to war with that brother before you have words with that brother. Verses 12 and 13 would resolve that. You remember in verse 12, they're ready to go to war. But somebody had the wisdom to say, Reuben, why don't you take, or excuse me, Phineas, why don't you take 10 princes and go tell them what we think? And so they went and they had words before they had war. And thankfully, those words were received properly, and those words were answered properly, and as a result, dispelled the situation, and it did not become the conflict. So, try not to say or do things that might give a wrong impression without an explanation. And number two, try not to go to war with a brother before you have words with that brother. And then number three, possibly the most important one, would be this. Try, when questioned, a soft answer for it turns away wrath. Try, when questioned, a soft answer for it turns away wrath. Does that ring a bell? It's not original with me by any means. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Let's go back to Joshua 22 and think about that. When Phineas came and the 10 princes came and they used the words, you've trespassed and you've turned away and you've built this altar that you might rebel against God and it's a plague and you've rebelled and, and this wrath's going to fall on you. I'm afraid my answer in verse 21 would have been, who are you to come and accuse me of this? You don't know what's going on. And I would have gotten, you know, that Italian airborne ranger might have got a hold of me there. It's done that in the past a few times and always embarrasses me. 
But no, the two and a half tribes gave a soft answer. And the soft answer started out with, God knows what we're doing here. And let us explain to you. And when they explained it, that it was a witness not to offer sacrifices, it diffused the situation. But there wasn't only a soft answer from the two and a half tribes. Now, again, you might have to sit down with your Bible to see this a little more clearly. But remember, when Phineas and the ten princes went and said that, the two and a half tribes gave that soft answer that turned away wrath. But then Phineas and the princes accepted their answer, and that turned away wrath. It would have been easy for those nine and a half tribes to say, well, Phineas and the spokesman to say, well, you're just lying to us. You're just, you're just trying to get away with this. You're, you're just afraid we're going to come and wipe you out. So, but they didn't do that. They listened to what they said, and they believed what they said, and they gained an understanding. Isn't that wonderful? That is so wonderful. Because now we see here that these tribes were able to handle this in a biblical way, and their concern did not become conflict. They had words together before they had war together and found out they were really on the same page, and they were really still one, even though the Jordan River divided them. Well, I hope that's been a help to you today. And again, if you get your Bible and an opportunity to read through it, remember there's a peaceful departure, there's a painful discovery, an altar to see, there's a pointed accusation with some nasty words, and there's a patient answer and explanation. The Lord knows it's a witness, it's not for sacrifice, and there's a peaceful resolution and reconciliation where all 12 tribes then were happy the way this thing got resolved. Why? Try not to say or do a thing that might give the wrong impression without an explanation. Try not to go to war with a brother before you have words with that brother. You might find out it's not that big a deal. Try when questioning, when questioned, a soft answer, for it does turn away wrath. Well, this has been from the Pastor Study with Pastor Marty Macedo, and you may email me at Fellow Helpers Ministries, uh, excuse me, Macedo, F-H-M, M-A-S-I-T-T-O, F-H-M for Fellow Helpers Ministries at gmail.com. Lord willing, we'll post another Bible lesson next week. But remember, we must master these biblical principles as to how to handle concerns before they come complex. In our families, with our friends, in our churches, and yes, even in our country. Lest we who have worked together to claim God's promises lose all we have gained through misunderstandings. Never engage in ugly war before you seek to exchange pleasant words. Thank you for listening and have a great day.